0: to the truth about fiction. I'm Lynn Michelle.
1: And I'm Derek Thompson.
0: And we're going to talk about the whole hard grinding business
1: of being a writer, of writing and being published. We're going to shatter some myths, break some hearts, and hopefully bring you something inspiring. But most of all, we will tell it how it is. Hi, Derek. Hi, Lynn.
0: And welcome everyone who's listening in to um, another podcast from me, Lynn Michelle, and...
1: Uh, me, Derek Thompson.
0: So, Derek, I want to start by asking you um, about your latest book, which seems to have gone a long way up the charts and is selling really well, isn't it? West Country is Murder.
1: It, yeah, it seems to be. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of... I've, I've been asked by people not in a horrible way, presumably, but why is it doing so well? Yes. And I, what I've done is I've kind of flipped it over and thought, well, what stops a book from doing well, leaving aside the writing? And I think what stops a book from doing well is it doesn't reach the target audience or it doesn't have a, tar- a clear target audience. Um, it isn't well received by the target audience and it isn't promoted. And all of those things uh, are in the positive. And the other thing is that sometimes a book just gains traction. Yeah. I think with the series, when the first book comes out, and this was certainly true for the um, the, the prior book, Long Shadows, some people said it's OK, but it's a bit slow or it's not very dynamic or wh- whatever the criticisms were, which all fair. But by the second book, the people who stick with it start to understand that that is the style. In other words, if it's more um, slower, kind of a, a language lead into a, a murder and the investigation, the focus is on characters, that that's intentional. Either that or you're making the same mistakes across two books.
0: Are you aware of, of changing things compared with the previous Thomas Bladen series? When you were writing it, were you aware of things you were doing to make it different or not?
1: That's a really interesting question. They are slightly different animals. The crime mysteries for Craig Wilde and Marley Olsen have an accepted structure in that there are crime mysteries. So there'll be a crime, there'll be an investigation, there'll be a few twists and turns and either the crime will be solved or the villain will escape and it will be a, a kind of dystopian finish. There's much more latitude to do different things. I mean, I, I think I've said this before, and I said this in a, a blog post somewhere that each of the five Thomas Bladen books are aiming to do different things. The first one is the the right man in the wrong place. Um, the second one is a, a who done it, or rather a why done it. The third one is the almost like the the noir script of there's a list of suspects that have to be investigated the fourth one was a defector and the fifth one was really my take on the the London bombing and its impact on security services so each one was a slightly different flavor with Long Shadows and West Country Murder I'm curious incidentally to what the next one would be called because I think West Country Murder would have been a great name for the series but with that series it's a slightly different framework. Um, it's more boundaried and each book is resolved, I would say, in its entirety within the book. Whereas in a Thomas Bladen's, there was intentionally some carryover uh, because there, there's a, I would say, there's a story arc across the whole series. Whereas in the crime mysteries, you specifically want them to be read individually, even though reading them in an order will will inform you more about the development of the characters.
0: The Thomas Bladen ones are much more of a a complex maze. And the reader gets quite lost in in this maze, which closes in. And there are so many ways you can twist and turn. You never know where where it's going to end up. When I read West Country Murder, I found it um, a smoother um, walk through a simpler nose, it was easier, an easier read, smoother read, perhaps a little bit glossier even. It didn't have the sort of um, sharp edges of Thomas Bladen and I wondered if that was something you did deliberately or am I reading, am I reading into your writing, um, what I'm putting in as a reader?
1: A bit of each. I think that because it's the second book in the series more confident and I'm closer to the characters and I wanted to develop uh, the relationships from book one because to me all of, all of the books they fundamentally they're about human relationships and motives and what drives us and the secrets that we keep but I would say it's probably smoother because this is what the, the seventh novel in the thriller crime mystery genre so hopefully I'm getting better at it I think the fact that it's boundaried means you're following a, a, a definite path. They're much more tightly structured. And in fact, I'm working on Thomas Blade and Six, which was just a passion project really. And my experience of West Country Murder is informing that, which in some ways makes it harder because it's a different mindset to approach a series that I've already written.
0: How do you um, feel going between the two? I, I'm not sure how you can do that because I find I have to go so deep into what I'm writing uh, I couldn't keep two series on the go at the same time, but we've talked about the differences before, about the way I write and the way you
1: write, but how, how do you hop between...? Well, I, I
0: the think theme. it helps
1: that I'm a shallow person. It was very difficult to leave Thomas Blaine behind, which was two years ago, because it's not just Thomas, There's a whole, there's a whole world and a whole set of characters which is probably why in West Country Murder there are a couple of uh, oblique references to the world of Thomas Bladen, even though there are several years apart between the series. Uh, well, it's been easier with West Country Murder because the ideas for the next book, book three, are still quite embryonic. So while I was really waiting for the book to come out and waiting for the plot outline to really come into focus... I had other stuff with Thomas that I wanted to do. I mean, I, I've always felt—I'll be honest here—that that, that um, Flashpoint, the fifth Thomas Bladen book, was probably too short, and there were other things I wanted to carry on. And there were big, there were big um, dramatic elements that uh, we never really found out that, that what happened next, um, without mentioning characters. But there was a significant death in Flashpoint, and there was no no opportunity in the writing of the book. But this book deals with the aftermath of that and poses a a what if. The Bladens were always, each book, dealt with consequences from the decisions or indecisions of the previous book. And this one is no different. This book that I'm working on now takes place just after Flashpoint. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think West Country Murder is smoother. And I think, I mean, some of the criticisms I've had of the Thomas Bladen series is that they are overly complicated. But I, I take heart from that because I recently listened to a radio programme about Raymond Chandler and one of the criticisms of his books at the time, you know, the characters are great, they're hard-boiled, but were the plots complicated and probably overcomplicated and hard to follow? Ooh. I kind of nod at that and think, okay, well, either I'm doing something right or we were both doing something wrong. I think the next Thomas Blaine book will be simpler the experience of writing each book informs our approach to the next book.
0: Oh definitely, definitely. And I wonder, will you be able to leave Thomas Bladen behind ever at some point? I know it's not just think... him. It's You've created a whole world of characters, place, motives, um, atmosphere.
1: Will you ever leave it behind? I see it as seven books, but I mean, I have this sort of mad idea I would absolutely love. There are certain characters, these little um, walk-on parts. There's a guy called Leon Thurston, who was a West Indian private detective in London in, in the Thomas Bladen series. I would absolutely love it if someone said, I like that character, I'd like to develop it and and write some stories and dovetail it into that series, but I would do different things with the character i would love it if people took some of the characters and kind of spun them off obviously the, the big thing for me would be uh, radio or television yes uh, a radio adaptation would just be a dream come true because I'd, I'd like to be able to sit in the car and listen to them and, and get absorbed I, I love the the immersive quality of radio i think perhaps because of my age you know, i grew up listening to radio late at night even now if there's a radio play on it's it's a real treat so seven novels possibly although i would like to see other things Other developments with the books, I'm not sure quite what they would be. The West Country Murder series, I don't know. I would say at this point, depends on the ideas, but I could see it being a five-book series. Beyond that, I really don't know. It's a a very strange, I mean, we've talked about this before, how you spend a lot of time as a writer before you're published striving. And then if you're lucky, as I have been, you're published and you reach a certain level. And you're always there's there's a side of us that is ambitious you're looking to in, in terms of reaching a wider audience so you're looking to go further and further and i think i've as a city before i think i've made my peace with wherever it is that i am and i'm not even sure where that is you know the numbers look great on amazon at the moment i'm in the top 1500 or something for west country murder which is super and for a while i was in the top 150 and that's amazing but because in a month's time it will be much lower because that's the nature of the beast. There are always books coming in and often my greatest competition are the amazing authors in Joffrey Books who are my stable mates and I say this with no false modesty, fantastic writers and and better writers. So I know that you only get so long in the spotlight, That's, that's the nature of any industry, but that acceptance, that sort of peace of saying, well, this is what I do and if it works, it works and if it if it only goes so far, that's okay, actually liberates me to think, well, what else I want to write? And as we've talked, I've got one novel that needs a massive rewrite and two other ideas for other novels. So there's a lot of juggling. But I, I think I could leave Thomas Bladen behind if I felt that I had explored absolutely everything or the plots in his life that are of interest to me. Yes, I don't know if you ever feel this, but when you, you write sometimes, it's a bit like being a, a scientist and you put your characters in situations to see what they'll do.
0: My characters tend to lead me. I don't, I, don't, um, I don't give them an awful lot to do. They seem to take on a life of their own, so I'm following them. But going back to, to this, your life filled with projects and a certain level of success reached, so you you don't sit back on your laurels but it's more a question of having the confidence to move forward and maybe to go in other directions can you ever imagine because i can't a life in which you don't write
1: i would say no but i see writing is a, a kind of subset of communication so if for example in some far-flung future you and i were doing a regular radio show i would write less possibly because the writing is, I mean, for some people, it's, it's kind of self-exploration, digging up aspects of your past the aspects of yourself and trying to reorganise them and review them and make sense of them. That's not really my bag as a writer, apart from the American novel, which I think being quite autobiographical looks at one slice of my life and sort of dresses it up. But really, if you think about it, I mean, we wrote and most writers write long before there's any prospect of publication. Ooh. So I don't think it's ever or rarely the main motivation. I think we just feel we or the characters have something to say.
0: I feel envious of I, of what I imagine is a room where you, you sit and write, which is still full of ideas to be explored, books to be written, and, and they surround you there as you sit in your chair. So it's not a lonely place. It's a vibrant place full of, full of things happening. I'm, I'm in, in that other place where there is no book on the go. And I don't know whether you ever have that because you, your books feed into one another, they overlap and they inform one another. And I can imagine you sitting in your chair with all these thought bubbles coming out of, uh, of your head, which would be like post-its stuck on the wall, which is what some people do, but they all stay in my head as well. But at the moment, I'm in an empty landscape with no writing, no ideas, not a clue what the next piece of writing will be and I find that very difficult. Worrying, it's like something's missing every day.
1: What stops you just writing a journal or just playing with ideas?
0: I've never done that Derek. I've always needed um, a big project, a book, a book outline, they haven't always been novels in the past. They've always been non-fiction or a writing scheme or writing about people who have ME. So I like to have the outline of something quite big and then I start chipping away at it. I, I've never done the journal thing. I've, I've never written about myself. I've never written bits of memoir, what's happening every day. It doesn't appeal. It, I, I need the structure. It's like a piece of architecture and then I could start putting the windows and doors on, on the framework. Can't do that bit of writing every day. I know others do it. A lot of writers do that. Because I'm thinking about mo- moving from the south of France to the north of Scotland, I have wondered about writing down my rather vague and uh, troubled thoughts about that. I mean, it wouldn't be for publication. It would just be writing rather than not writing, because, as I've just said, I, fi- I find the empty room difficult to inhabit, the empty room of no writing. So that's one possibility. But I'd much
1: rather have have a book calling to me. I mean, two, two thoughts come to mind. Well, three, probably. First, the, the room that I write in is filled with voices and crap, uh, piles of papers everywhere, uh, and that probably says something about my mind. There is always a firework display going on in my head. I think journaling, I'm assuming it is a a guarantee, journaling helps not so much from a sort of therapeutic perspective, but because it it sort of opens and maintains this dialogue, for me anyway, between the conscious and the unconscious. It's as if you're saying to that part of yourself that comes up with ideas and just chucks stuff out there, here's here's a wall to put those mental post-it notes. I used to have a wall full of post-it notes. But the journaling side of it, I think it's just working a muscle. It's almost as if you're saying to your subconscious mind, "No, no, stick with me, or the muse, stick around, because I am still listening. I am still taking notes, even even if nothing happens to them. I, mean, I I've kept old journals. Some I've burned, and rightly, but I think the dialogue, the, the the working of it, is important. I mean, the elephant in the room, or dare I say, it, the cetacean in the room, is that you have a book that you're developing. Yes. <laughs> he said that in such a quiet voice. Yes. <laughs>
0: I say yes because the book I've been working on for what the last couple of years I, th- I, th- I think I finished it and which leads me leads me to another question which is when do you leave a book alone when do you stop fiddling with it as I'm still doing it really is finished first of all it took about four months to write it was it wasn't good it was bad it was really a skeleton. It didn't have any flesh on it. So over the last year, I've added about 20,000 words and it feels better. But now I've started stripping it down again. And I was thinking yesterday, stop. Just stop doing this. You can add flesh and take the flesh away forever. (laughs) At what point do you stop? Let it be. Say it's finished. And then what do you do with it? Then I've sent it to agents, I've sent it to publishers, not in its current form, in its earlier rather bad form, and of course it was rejected by everybody. But now I think I think it is pretty much there, but how do you know? How do you know when to leave a project alone? I don't think I've had this problem so so badly before. I think I've known when I've put the last full stop in, and when I've drawn the line and written the end. But this time it's trickling on and I'm not quite sure how to stop it.
1: I think this book, from from what I've read and the discussions we've had, is probably different to a lot of your other books, because in a sense, I think that all of the characters are you. I mean, you could say that for every author. And I wonder if whether you come back to the book and... Add flesh to the bones or strip it back, sort of waxing and waning, depending on what's going on in your inner life and your head, because you want the book to, in some ways, to reflect or represent your perspective. We both know this well-worn advice of once you've finished your book, stick it in the drawer for a month so that you come back to it with fresh eyes. I mean, obviously, if you get an agent or a publisher, it becomes their problem. In some ways, I suffer from the reverse in that I'm quite keen to draw a line under a book. If I, think, if I think it's good, I'll be honest, if I think it's good enough, if it says what I want it to say and I can live with the limitations of my prose and my ideas, then I can move on to the next one. Maybe the fact that I can move on to the next one allows me to put it aside, whereas if it were the only book, I would spend more time on it. The very first novel which I self-published, Covenant, It's the book I don't talk about much. It's a kind of magical stroke, occult fantasy, and it took years and years and years because I did the very thing that you're talking about. I would pick at it, strip it back, and add in more complexity and symbolism. And in the end, I would say probably, I'm building myself up to kind of admit this, I probably kicked that thing around for 20 years. (laughs) On and off, much more off than on. Now, as it happens, the finished book, as far as I'm concerned, is a far superior animal to the original version. And over that time period and coming back to it, I invested different layers of symbolism and different perspectives. I have to say it's a book that's never sold well, which is entirely honest. It's very dense. I mean, if you think the Thomas and plots are complicated, just have a go at this one. And even within the genre, it was fairly coolly received and there is a there is a great great negative review on there somewhere where someone just hates it and says they threw it in a bin <laughs> personally I would have recycled it but to each their own but what I'm saying is what determines for me anyway and this will be this is I mean the American novel the great American novel great as in G-R-A-T-E because it has grated that's been kicking around for a number of years and I keep hacking it about I believe that's the term hacking it about and going back to it and as as you know you and I both sent off for editorial consultancy reports in our novels and the the report that I got back was basically if it was the intensive care unit of books I think they were suggesting (laughs) I should get a priest in but because there's that externality of somebody saying here's what I think to come at it completely fresh and say although you think you're writing this sort of book, which is what I was told, actually, it better suits this template, which will mean massive restructuring. And some of the, some of the feedback, to be honest, was was not dissimilar to feedback that you would given me on, on some of the sample material and the, the process of including autobiographical experience in a book, that you have to let the book have its own life. And part of that is saying, ultimately, These are the boundaries, whether it's this is a 50,000 word novel and that's it and it will be trimmed back to fit that or the focus is on three characters. And once they've said their piece, they can get off the stage. I think sometimes the characters that we create haunt us because we invest them with something and they want to carry on existing. And one of the ways they do that is by taking up space in our heads.
0: Oh that I can relate to yes my characters live beside me and and talk to me and I can't let go of these three the same agency well they I think they you carrying on with the same metaphor my book went into intensive care and um i i i i listened to what what he the doctor was was saying as he stared at it and i think it was basically uh, Take, the, take it off the uh, life support machine. He wanted to throw away my main character and I don't know. I mean, why, why do we send our books off for these kinds of ooh, obscure and um, really way off the mark commentaries?
1: Because we wanted an industry perspective as opposed to an artistic perspective. But I think that's it. We, we were both probably certainly true for me looking at it from a particular perspective of I want this to be a commercial novel i.e I I want another publisher somewhere out there to pick this novel up and do something with it and in in both our cases I think we each feel that that novel is a little bit special a bit different from other stuff that we've done there's an element of us in it that isn't present in other novels in my case I would say there's more I don't know how it says whether that's sounding American. There's more emotional resonance in my book for me than all the other. It's the most personal. It's the most authentic. Even if there's symbolism in there, it's the most vulnerable, the most raw. And I think we were both looking for how do I get this to a wider public? Just how do I get it away from me so that an agent, a publisher takes it, it then becomes their problem and I have let it go. Like sending your child to boarding school or Borstal, which I gather are very similar. What we got back was a commercial perspective. We did get what we paid for, but it turned out that that wasn't entirely what we were looking for. And the commercial perspective doesn't take account of what your intentions are as the author.
0: You're left with two creatures. You've got a book that you've written that you feel is full of, um, I would say, emotional integrity, which is what I keep picking away at, is the emotional integrity. It has to be real, clear, clear truthful and then you've got this other creature which is stripped of all that stuff and it's a, a fast-paced story with strong characters story arc and all the stuff that makes for formulaic best-selling books and the two lie side by side and never meet so now I, what, what I've done is I, I've um, I, I'm ignoring the second creature and, and I've gone back to the first I can't do to it what the what what the agent wanted me to do to it and really change it into something else altogether. So fair enough, I'll just have to see where it goes and if it goes nowhere, so be it. And maybe I can only leave it alone when I start to write something else. I, I need to travel away from it into another world now, another world, more characters, different ones, different scenes. Um, Not happening, but it may happen, and maybe I can't cut the umbilical cord until there is another place to go to.
1: Have you thought about writing what happens afterwards with the same characters or some of the same characters?
0: No, I couldn't do that. It's not short anymore, Derek. It's 75,000 words. I've added 20 thousand yeah. it was very short it was just a little thin skeleton of a book now it's got some flesh on it and um it gets through the ocean a bit better because it's uh, got some buoyancy so no i feel it's a one-off it's it's not one that would i can't do what you do and and write sequels and carry threads from one to another this one in particular is self-contained and it's in its own box and uh, i think it's going to have to stay there
1: well, you were talking about the, the process of moving from one country to another. Yeah. I mean, maybe that in itself is a, a starting point for a character.
0: It may be. Have, have you read I Am an Island? No. It's a memoir of, of a woman who goes to uh, possibly the same Scottish island. Uh, it became a bestseller recently. But it, it is about incomers and communities, closed communities, barriers, all that stuff. It's a very moving book. If it's true, it's extremely upsetting. I have a a very strong sense of place to turn to in a small Scottish island. So, yes, that that is calling a little bit. We'll
1: see. How important places in novels, those roots, the roots for the characters, the roots for us as the author, so intrinsic to the work. So I'm not sure you work that way. It seems to me that novels emerge from you.
0: Yes, they come out like smoke, and I watch the smoke form itself in, into shapes. And it's all extremely vague at the beginning, but I, I, I've learned to be very patient and wait and see what happens. I have practical things to do at the moment, like sell a house. So in a, in a way, this isn't the time to be starting again, or it might be. It might sometimes when there's a lot going on in your life that has nothing to do with writing, the early stages of a book come into view and we'll see what happens. All right, let's leave it there, I think.
1: Okay, well, lovely to talk to you.
0: Goodbye to everyone who's been listening and see you again soon, or rather we'll be tuning in again soon,
1: I hope. See you on the flip side. Bye. Bye for now.